Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi and a very warm welcome from me, your host Phil Parker, to this episode 107 of Essential Skills of NLP. Today I'm going to be looking at some various strategies that people have used whilst facing healing crises in their lives, ways that they found that really helped them to move forwards through difficult issues. So I hope you find this useful if that's something that's going on for you or somebody you care about who's going on for, or if at some point in the future you find yourself stumbling into that area of life. So here we go. Hi, today I'm going to talk about something that's cropped up a lot in uh, in my life over the last few weeks, which is uh, people dealing with serious illnesses. So I've had a num- number of people in my life just coming up, connecting with me both uh, professionally and personally. So they're really dealing with some stuff that uh, is tough and involves lots of medical care. Um, so whenever these things happen, I always think it's an opportunity to kind of listen to that message and, and think about it. And I'm making this podcast um, really to describe some of the things I think might be useful if you're somebody who's going through some uh, health issues in your life, or if at any point you do, and sure enough, in all of our lives, these ha- things happen from time to time, or if you know somebody is, it might be a useful pointer. So a couple of things I've been thinking about from uh, experiences that people have told me and books I've read over the years. Uh, the first thing is a really interesting um audio by uh, Chris Halbum, who's an amazing NLP practitioner in California. Um, there'll be a link you can get hold of this, but if you just search for Chris with a K, Halbum, that's H-A-L-B-O-M. Um, and she had the extraordinary experience of going to the doctor, just not feeling very well, and suddenly coming up with a you know really, really serious diagnosis of stage four cancer, which is um, you know pretty much an end game. When people start talking about stage four cancer, you're usually talking about how many months they have left to live. Um, so this is a massive shock to her. And she talks about her journey on how she uh, managed it and how, although when they diagnosed it and they did all the scans, they were very clear that this was a serious thing that, you know, was, was, you know, pretty much a life ending. When they came to do the operation, they found out that it had completely changed from when the scans had been done as a result of the work that she had done on herself. And she describes what, what the main um, approaches she used were in her audio, so get hold of that. But I'll tell you some of the things I think are particularly interesting about it. One of the things she said, she met the oncologist, and she said, uh, so, you know, what's going to happen? And uh, the oncologist went through all the you know potential outcomes that could occur. And right at the end, Chris said, because she'd actually done some work before she went to see the oncologist, she said, uh, so, okay, I get those are the, you know, likely outcomes and then the worst case scenarios, but what's the best case scenario? And the oncologist, you know, was kind of surprised by that question because it's not something they think about very often. It's probably not a question they're asked very often. Uh, And she sat for a bit thinking about what the best case scenario was and it took her a while we said oh we did have somebody once who you know and when we went in and we found out that actually the cancer hadn't spread it was benign it was contained it was easy to remove and so chris said well let's head towards that then let's find out how we make that happen and they did lots of work her and her husband tim who's also an nlp uh, master uh, on what might make a difference to make the biggest chance of that outcome to come 
Um, I still had the surgery, uh, so it's not about ignoring medical advice, but it's about thinking, what part do I have to play? What can I do to possibly make a difference? She also talks about how her brother had something uh, similar, a very serious cancer diagnosis, and the way he talked about it was he decided to fight it. He's going to do everything he could to kill this, to beat it. And you often hear this language, this quite conflictual language in health. We're going to destroy, we're going to bombard, we're going to nuke, we're going to remove, we're going to excise, we're going to rip it out, we're going to beat it, we're going to destroy it. And these kind of conflictual words, um, there is some uh, schools of thought that say, actually, we need to move towards a very different model. Um, that what if instead we saw this illness as some communication from our body? And that first of all, what we need to do is to make friends with it, to really uh, understand it. And Chris says, I spent a lot of time really making friends with this this part of me, really trying to understand what message you might have to give me. And certainly a lot of work I do around uh, helping people to, to recover from injury and illness. It's one of the, the key things is bringing a kindness and compassion because healing is about generating wholeness. Uh, it has the same Greek words. So how do we find a way to be okay with this and move this forwards? The other thing that Chris talks about, which I think is quite interesting, is she renamed it. She was she was given this name, which was called something like a large abdominal mass. And she says, uh, I didn't really like that name. And I thought it probably doesn't like it too. So I changed the name. I changed the name to, I think she called it um, my remarkable healing part. Um, but think about your your body is listening all the time. What are the words that we're carrying around to describe bits of us that don't work well? You know, from oh that bad leg, all that difficult area, all that damaged. And quite often you hear the patients will talk about this. They'll say my good arm and my bad arm. So they're kind of already describing it in a way that's not very useful. And the body and the brain are always listening. So maybe think about what would be a what would be an inspiring uh, terminology or name to call this bit of you that isn't currently working the way you want it to work. The other thing I read years ago, which I, I always think about, is a book by Brandon Bay. She talks uh, in her book, The Journey, where again she had cancer. Um, I think she had a an ovarian mass, but it certainly was an abdominal mass. And she told the story how she went to see the oncologist and they said, look, you know, we've got this thing here. We, you know, it's about the size of a grapefruit and, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult and you need to get this removed. And she felt, felt pretty, you know, knocked over as, as, as you do when these things happen. And then she went to her office and she happened to work with Tony Robbins, who is an NLP kind of, you know, uh, expert and uh, motivational speaker and he said to her, oh you know i know you you've got this you can sort this out if anyone can sort this out you can sort this out and she noticed when she spoke to tony and the rest of the people at work she felt quite positive and optimistic and like yeah i probably can sort this out she went back to the doctor and the doctor said yeah yeah these things don't go away we really need to get in there this, this is difficult this problem Again, her mood just flattened. And when she went back to work, people said, look, there's lots of stuff you can do. You know, I'm sure you can work with it and see what you can achieve, and, you know, to give her some sense of power in the situation. She thought, yeah, I probably can. Maybe, you know, of course I'll take my medical advice, but, you know, I'll, I think there's things I can do. 
And she noticed how her mood massively shifted depending on who she was talking to. And what she did was very interesting. She decided she would only tell people about her issues, her illness, if she knew that they were the kind of people who would be optimistic and support her recovery. So somebody was going to, you know, go, oh, I had somebody who had that and they didn't recover. She just decided, right, those are not the people I'm going to share this information with. I want to share it. It's important. There is some evidence, of course, that talking to other people about your stuff is very, very empowering. Uh, I've told the story before about two mice in the cage that when one mice is in a cage and he's not well treated his hair falls out but he's got a friend with him to chat <laughs> in mouse conversation then the both mice survive better by having the company of another mouse um in the same here it's, it's it's good to talk um but it's what conversations are we having about it so she decided just to tell people who had a, a positive attitude to well you know this is something that you know you'll learn from or you'll, you'll move forwards from so there's some interesting ideas about what are we calling it? What are we saying? What, how are we relating to it? Who are we telling about these issues? Um, and then finally, the last thing is in NLP, there are some interesting ways of think, thinking about things called presuppositions, which if you've uh, listened to some of my NLP podcasts, you'll know about the NLP presuppositions, which are statements that are considered to be guidelines. They're saying, these are not true, but let's imagine if the world, if we saw the world in this light, what would the world be like? So we're not saying they're absolutely true, but there might be an interesting way to engage and relate to the world. And one of the NLP presuppositions is, what if we said, if somebody can do something, somebody can achieve something, then maybe I could replicate some of that success. So somebody can do something, then it's doable. All I need to do is work out how they did it so I can reproduce that. If we take health as an issue, if somebody has already had the illness and issue that you've had and they have recovered, it means there is a route through this. They found that route. So there may be a possible route through that you can find too. What we need to do is work, how does how did that happen? What occurred? What occurred for them to move from ill to well? And the other thing which, you know, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, uh, is central to my work, is the use of the word do. With the do, we've got this idea that instead of things happening to us, we have an active role in it. Uh, so instead of being angry, we would say we are doing angry, that at some level we are the ones creating the anger. Although other people may help us, they may uh, invite us to get angry. It's still fundamentally us that's doing the anger, that's creating the anger. And the do has this you and a little circumflex uh, instead of an O because we're not doing it on purpose. Very often these are unconscious behaviours we just happen to be doing. So instead of saying I am stressed, we'd say I'm doing stress. But we can actually take it into medicine, into health, because actually instead of saying I have an infection, which is shorthand for lots of physical activities going on inside of your body, including your immune system, your white blood cells, lots of chemicals being produced in hormones. Instead of saying all that, we just use the shorthand that I have an infection or I have inflammation. But actually, it's more accurate to say I am doing infection or I am doing inflammation. And again, it's with a you, you're not doing it on purpose. 
But it is your body that's doing that. And if it's your body that's doing that, then it gives us the opportunity to go, well, if this is my body, this is a process within my body, I wonder what I can do to influence the outcome of that. How can I stimulate better immune system function, get those cells working better? And there's lots of evidence that we can actually have an effect on this, not just me saying that. There's lots of research that says uh, your immune system, your white blood cells, are, are very much affected by your mood, your diet, how much you exercise, uh, all sorts of stuff. There's also some very clear evidence that if you remember happy memories, it changes the way your body deals with stress, changes the way your body responds to threat, changes your immune system function. Long-term meditators, for instance, have a changed immune system in a positive way. So instead of saying, I have cancer, I have a fracture, we should say, I'm doing it. It's actually a more appropriate and a more accurate way of describing what's going on. But also it gives us a little bit of a sense of, well, then I have some way of saying that maybe there's some things I could do that might positively influence the outcome. And that's really important because otherwise we have to put ourselves in this position where it feels like we, there's nothing we can do about it. And that in itself produces another level of threat, this sense of being powerless, which we all feel when somebody's making decisions or conclusions about our health and regaining that sense of some sense of power, some sense of influence is very, very, very important in recovery. In fact, the word patient and the word passive and powerlessness are the same, have the same Latin root. So regaining some sense of influence and power. Now, again, we have to distinguish. It's not saying you're to blame for your illness. It's saying, no, that's not the question. It's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is, I wonder what influence we can have on moving things forwards. Now, whether that's you know, improving our sleep, improving our diet, improving the amount of water we drink, running faster, exercising more, meditating more, relaxing more, hanging out with friends more, uh, drinking less. All these things are things we can influence. And of course, changing our internal chemistry by where are we putting our brain? What, what patterns are we triggering that are positive or not so positive? And all these things give us a chance to make some difference to things that are really important. I mean, I like you, I'm sure. When, you, when you're not well, it's horrible. <laughs> I really don't like it. So anything we can do to shift that and move ourselves forwards in a way that allows us to learn and is kind to ourselves would be a really valuable thing to do. So there's some thoughts for you guys. I hope that's useful for you at this point in your life or at some point in the future uh, as you move through uh, the things that come into our lives from time to time. You take care now. Bye. If you like these podcast series, then I think you'd really love finding out more about how we can work together. Best things you can do, get hold of the other podcasts on iTunes or get some of my extraordinary books, which as I say, if you like these podcasts, they're very, very similar, life-changing, fascinating ways of looking at the world. And the ultimate thing you could do, hey, come and train with me. I'd love to meet you in person. Let us know. Drop us an email, phil at philparker.org or go to the website, philparker.org. Sign up for the newsletters. There you'll get instant access to some of my latest audio downloads. And those downloads contain the latest research, techniques and tools to change your life and improve your health. So just register to get those right now. And I look forward to hanging out with you in person in the very near future. You take care now. Essential NLP.
skills for a great life.